Welcome to Creative Biolabs Science Channel. Creative Biolabs is a specialized contract research organization supporting mRNA studies with all-round solutions covering mRNA synthesis, modification, and mRNA therapeutics development. With an unwavering pursuit of innovation and lifelong learning, we keep on producing podcast series related to mRNA technology based on our knowledge and practical experience gained through years of exploration in this area. Subscribe to our channel and keep updated with our podcasts. Hello, my dear friends, and welcome to Creative Biolabs podcast series this evening. Today, we again invite David to our program and we will continue the discussion of allogeneic stem cell transplantation. Thank you for joining us, David. Thanks for inviting me. As we already know, allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation is now an established treatment for hematological malignancies and other life-threatening hematological and genetic diseases. Although it is increasingly used, there are some risk factors in this treatment, including being marrowaplasia after high-dose chemotherapy, mucositis, infections with bacterial, viral and fungal agents, and may lead to acute or chronic graft-versus-host disease. In today's program, we want to focus on the complications following allogeneic stem cell transplantation. So, David, which complication do we start with? How about we start with a mild one, like mucositis? It usually occurs following chemotherapy-induced damage. The mucosal lining of the gastrointestinal tract is subjected to common conditioning-related toxicity especially after myeloablative conditioning. This complication is usually not life-threatening, but could be a risk for the need of analgesics and total parenteral nutrition. And another risk is that mucositis is strongly associated with infectious complications due to gram-negative bacilli such as Escherichia coli, Pseudomonas aeruginosa, and fungal infections, with Candida species. Any inflammatory cytokines that are associated with mucositis? From a molecular perspective, mucositis probably contributes to the production of inflammatory cytokines, such as tumor necrosis factor alpha and interleukin-1. These inflammatory cytokines can enhance the activation of host antigen-presenting cells. So mucositis might contribute to the development and maintenance of acute graft-versus-host disease. Before talking about the graft-versus-host disease, and this is where we will discuss next, can you tell us what treatment is being used to treat mucositis? There is a lot of research that has been done to search for therapeutic agents for mucositis. The most promising candidate is palifermin. This is a recombinant human keratinocyte growth factor. Palifermin plays a significant role in affecting keratinocytes, fibroblasts, and endothelial cells. Furthermore, it can attenuate the effect of tumor necrosis factor alpha and the expression of adhesion molecules. Another one is lipopolysaccharide. Applications of lipopolysaccharide are quite common actually. Its translocation across the intestinal mucosa can activate the innate immune system and promote the production of inflammatory cytokines. Okay, now we can move to graft-versus-host disease. This is one of the major causes of morbidity and mortality after allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation. What are its mechanisms? To put it simply, the recipient antigens activate donor T-cells, and the donor T-cells proliferate and trigger graft-versus-host disease. The recipient antigens 
are expressed on host cells in the form of MHC, class 1 or class 2 antigens, viral antigens, or minor antigenic peptides, including epithelial cell-associated antigens. What delivers antigens to T-cells? Well, the answer here is the antigen-presenting cells. They are a group of cells such as dendritic cells or macrophages that are responsible to present the antigens to T-cells. In addition, natural killer cells and macrophages also participate in the development of graft-versus-host disease. These two cells can also activate donor T-cells. So maybe we can transplant a T-cell-depleted graft that may completely abolish graft-versus-host disease. Is that right? Not really. T-cells play an important role in regulating the immunity system. We know many of their biological functions, such as direct killing target cells, assist or inhibit B-cells to produce antibodies, specific antigen and mitogen-promoting responses, and the production of cytokines. T-cells are the heroic fighters of the body against disease infection and tumor formation. So T-cell depletion of the graft usually is associated with an increased risk of rejection, leukemic relapse, and infectious complications. I see. We know that graft-versus-host disease can be generally classified into acute and chronic. So how is it defined, whether acute or chronic? Acute graft-versus-host disease, by definition, appears during the first 100 days post-transplant, but also may appear later. Acute graft-versus-host disease was first detected in experimental animals and is one of the major hazards in clinical allogeneic stem cell transplantation. Scientists found that the main target organs for acute graft-versus-host disease are skin, gut, and liver. While the chronic graft-versus-host disease manifestations mainly include skin disease, keratoconjunctivitis, generalized sicca syndrome, oral mucositis, esophageal and vaginal strictures, malabsorption, wasting, liver disease, obstructive bronchiolitis, myositis, and neuropathy. Chronic graft-versus-host disease is also associated with immunodeficiency and frequent infections, with gram-positive bacteria, which may cause septicemia, sinusitis, and bronchopneumonia. Actually, the distinction of acute and chronic graft-versus-host disease by day of onset is no longer always applicable. Why no longer applicable? That's because the symptoms of acute graft-versus-host disease may emerge beyond day 100 in the reduced-intensity conditioning allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation setting. For example, the NIH consensus criteria define acute and chronic graft-versus-host diseases based on a combination of clinical features and time of onset. Approximately 30-70% to 70 of patients who accept allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation treatment surviving at least 100 days post-transplant develop chronic graft-versus-host disease. And the rate has increased in recent decades due to several factors, including increased use of granulocyte colony-stimulating factor mobilized blood stem cells as the graft source, increased patient S age, and use of unrelated as well as human leukocyte antigen mismatch donors with the previous acute graft-versus-host disease. Is there any difference between the two at the molecular level? Of course. The occurrence and severity of acute graft-versus-host disease have been linked to a number of other factors, such as gene polymorphisms affecting interleukin-1, interleukin-6, interleukin-10, and tumor necrosis factor alpha. Furthermore, 
Research has verified that some mutations in nucleotide oligomerization domain 2 or caspase recruitment domain 15 are associated with severe acute graft-versus-host disease and increased treatment-related mortality. Interestingly, mutations on both the donor and recipient sides appear to play a role. This observation provides the possibility that genotyping potential donors might be a useful strategy to reduce the risk of graft-versus-host disease and contribute to an anti-leukemic effect. Sounds exciting. And moving on to the next part, the treatment of graft-versus-host disease. How is it treated? Well, on the one hand, the incidence of graft-versus-host disease can be reduced through T-cell depletion of the graft before transplant. And on the other hand, this beneficial effect may be offset by an increased risk of graft rejection, high rates of viral infections, and an increased risk of leukemia relapse. Is there any way that we can reduce the possibility of leukemia recurrence after cell transplantation? Allogeneic hematopoietic stem cell transplantation may cause recurrent leukemia. Delayed donor lymphocyte infusion can enhance antiviral immunity, but is also associated with potentially life-threatening graft-versus-host disease. In recent years, the main pharmacological strategy to avoid graft-versus-host disease is based on calcineurin inhibitors. This strategy is usually in combination with low-dose methotrexate given shortly after transplant. Combining some newer pharmacological agents, like mycophenolate moftal and sirolimus, has been proved to be effective, but still, there might be some side effects. Let me give you an example. Myeloablative regimens combination with busulfan will result in venoocclusive liver disease. But yeah, treatment of severe acute graft-versus-host disease is mainly based on high-dose corticosteroids and calcineurin inhibitors. But isn't that the treatment of steroid-resistant graft-versus-host disease not very effective? And do you know whether there are any new therapies? Right, none of the drugs have been proven effective. And there might be a new therapy. In recent years, mesenchymal stem cells have become an exciting new treatment option for the graft-versus-host disease. Mesenchymal stem cells give rise to little lymphocyte proliferation and seem to escape cytotoxic lysis by cytotoxic T-cells and natural killer cells. Sounds exciting. The last complication we are going to discuss is infections. Like you mentioned before, the high-dose chemotherapy will lead to a series of consequences, such as bone marrow aplasia and damage of mucosal barriers, pharmacological immunosuppression, and complications, such as graft-versus-host disease with immunomodulatory effects. Patients undergoing allogeneic stem cell transplantation have an increased risk of serious infections with bacterial, viral, and fungal agents. How should we prevent this from happening? Yeah, this is a big concern. During the neutropenic phase following conditioning and before transplant, patients predictably become septic with bacterial infections and require broad-spectrum antibiotic therapy. Things will get quite tricky if invasive fungal infections are with yeast or molds, because they are really difficult to diagnose, and even more difficult to treat if they become clinically relevant. As for immunosuppressed patients, especially in patients receiving high-dose corticosteroids, they are challenged by being infected by cytomegalovirus. Cytomegalovirus may cause potentially life-threatening systemic disease, polyomavirus causing hemorrhagic cystitis, and Epstein-Barr virus-related post-transplant lymphoproliferative disease. 
and to reduce the incidence and mortality of cytomegalovirus infection, we can use PCR to monitor cytomegalovirus load. In addition, the use of antiviral drugs preemptive treatment of cytomegalovirus infection can also solve this problem to a certain extent. But still, viral infections continue to cause morbidity and mortality in allogeneic stem cell transplantation patients and antiviral therapy has potential for unwanted side effects, like bone marrow suppression. Researchers have tried to find some better therapies. To some extent, adoptive T-cell therapy is the answer. Adoptive T-cell therapy with specific T-cells has been tried with good results in cytomegalovirus infection and Epstein-Barr virus-related lymphoma. I see. There are still many challenges. But all things considered, the future of allogeneic stem cell transplantation is very promising. Okay, that's it for us today. Thanks David for sharing your knowledge with us. And thanks everyone for listening. We will be back next week with more interesting discussions. See you then.